0: Welcome to Way Family Church. You're listening to our sermon podcast. Way Family Church invites you to join us every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. for Worship the Word and Fellowship. If you would like more information, visit us at wayfamily.church. Now get your Bibles ready and let's dive in. So I'm so blessed just to be with you today. Now I was thinking, man, maybe there's a psalm about moms. We should do that today. And then I remembered the Bible's not really about us it's all about God and so what we're gonna do is we're gonna dive into the word and learn about the Lord amen (laughs) Uh, so I'm gonna invite you to turn to the book of Psalms and before we get into this uh, I just want to kind of reflect with moms dads too hey we matter okay Uh, and, and just recognize the difficulty that it is to raise children and to be responsible for another human being, it's definitely difficult. It's especially difficult to do it in a time such as today. And I know that generations past could probably say the same thing, that this is just the hardest time of life right now. And it seems that it was so for the time, and it seems that each and every generation thereafter, it's just things are getting worse and worse and worse, so it seems, right? And so we find ourselves needing more and more of the Lord. It seems that the fear of the Lord has come down and so the chaos and confusion rises. This is what seems to be the trend for any civilization, for any generation in any part of the world. The fear of the Lord decreases, confusion and chaos increases. You see that? And so we've, we find ourselves in a world right now where it seems that the fear of the Lord is really low and so confusion is really high. Uh, And when we find ourselves there as parents, it can be a very scary place, yes? Or is it just us? It can be a very scary place. It could be a place where we're unsure, we're uncertain of our family's future. We're always concerned, right? Sometimes we lose sleep, especially when our children get older and we don't know what's going on in life. Or our children are younger and we're thinking, what is going on with this kid? Regardless of where you are in life, there's always a reason to come to the Lord and say help. Help me. I don't know if I'm missing it. I don't know if I'm doing this right. This is hard. Like, wh- why did you find it fit that we would parent and raise children? I don't know, you know? But yet He has, and He has given us that uh, obligation, that privilege, actually, to do so. And one thing that we find in Scripture is. Not just truth, not just the word, of the, the word of the Lord as we should know it, to be able to know him and his character, which is all great. And it's good that we see that over and over. But then there's these little tidbits that are just so helpful, just, just to get through a moment, you know, and to be reminded of the Lord's love and his compassion for us, his steadfast love, in fact. And so today we're going to go into Psalm 36. Psalm 36 is a reminder that the Lord loves us and that he is firm in his love for us, regardless of what's going on in the world. Because here's the thing, there's definitely wickedness in this world. And even those who know that the Lord is out there seem to get lost here and there, and they, they, they uh, walk in ways that they shouldn't go. But the steadfast love of the Lord remains, and it is true, and it is constant, and it is awesome, and it's something that we can find confidence in. In fact, Psalm 36 is a psalm of confidence. We can be confident that the Lord loves us. We can be confident that the Lord sees us. We can be confident that the Lord is with us. We can be confident that the Lord hears us. We can be confident that the Lord knows your children and that He is with them and He's going to walk with them and that He's going to be glorified through their lives, however that may seem. We can be confident that the Lord loves us above all. And I think that one of the greater reflections that we have in understanding the Lord's steadfast love for us is in moms. I really do think that. Because if I think back to my youth, now it just makes perfect sense to me. The Proverbs, it says, remember your creator in the days of your youth so that you, when you get old, you do not depart from him. Okay, that didn't make sense to me at the time when I was young, or younger, I'm still young. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, there's so much in this world to distract us from, the, from walking the paths of righteousness. And so what we see here in this Psalm is a contrast, two very distinct lifestyles, and we'll dive into it deeper. But here's what's beautiful about the word of the Lord. And this is what be- what's beautiful about parents and moms who fear the Lord as well. We move in a way, we function in a way where we're discipling our children, which means we're guiding them according to the word of the Lord. And when we do that, the word of the Lord becomes more and more clear, more and more meaningful, especially to the young ones. Because when you're young, it is really difficult to dive into the word on our own. We need a shepherd. We need help. We need mom. We need them to help us understand what's here. Now, Martin Luther, you've heard of him. He was a great, the reformer, the great reformer. He once said that he was captive to the word of God, captive to it as a slave. His life had been completely transformed by his understanding of the gospel. And the word had opened up to him in a way that he hadn't known before. And I think many of us can sympathize with that. It's like, wow, the word of the Lord has really opened itself to me. The Lord has been gracious to help me see more and more of him to the degree where I personally now share in that experience that I'm captivated by the written word of the Lord, which has introduced me to the living Word Himself, who is Jesus Christ. And so the more we come to the Lord, the more we come to the Word, the more captivated we are, and the more we are conformed to His image. That means the more we are transformed to resemble Him, to be more like Him. That is the outcome of coming to the Lord, of being disciplined by His Word, to being discipled, grown, groomed, etc. cetera. And, <clears throat> and so that's what we hope to do today. This is what we're doing. Moms, dads, everyone here, we're gonna come to the word of the Lord with anticipating of meeting Jesus. This is what we should do every time we come to the word. In fact, the word of, you've heard me say it over and over before, it's a single narrative and it all points to Jesus Christ. Yes, it's a library of books, but from cover to cover, everything here points to Jesus Christ. So when we come to the word, we should be like those shepherds on that beautiful Christmas season where they went to the manger in anticipation of finding Jesus. Likewise, we're coming into the Word with the anticipation of finding Jesus, but because when we find Jesus, things begin to change and move in our lives. Now this, again, the single narrative is amazing. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. Have you noticed that? And so as we look through these Psalms, we see the predicted Jesus, and as we go into the Gospels, Jesus is therefore revealed. And then in the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus is preached. And then the epistles Jesus is explained and in the book of Revelation Jesus is expected and that's the way the the written word is laid out but regardless we're gonna find Jesus right and I want to just be uh, a a reminder of a very truth is if we're sons and daughters of the Most High if we're parents if we're moms and we're dads we're a reflection of Jesus and so our children should see Jesus through us and how we live and how we also search for him and so when we come in here we see this i think it was corey who had sent me an an image of the hyperlinks of the bible how everything kind of links to itself everything refers to itself and it's amazing how much the bible refers and explains itself through itself it's beautiful but when we come to the word of the lord starting from the old testament through the epistles the new testament the the acts and everything, when we put the the dots together, as we connect the dots, we'll find Jesus. Kind of like this image that I have here. If you could put that image of the connected dots, it's an easy one so that you can see what's going on there. But it's like that. When you connect the dots, you'll find Jesus. And so that's the goal today. And so what I'd like for us to do is dive into Psalm 36 and see what the Lord has to say for us. And again, as we connect the dots, there's less confusion in the world, we have more answers, we have uh, uh, more to understand about God, more to understand about life, more to understand about good and evil, and we're able to understand more about God's goodness and steadfast love and what it means for us. So let's turn to Psalm 36, and it reads this, to the choir master of David, the servant of the Lord. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes, that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject. Evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together and for your word. We ask, Father, that you would speak to us through it. You would help us, Father, see you more and more and how all of this points to you and how you are the one who transforms us, who equips us, who refines us, who sanctifies us, who gives us the strength and the ability to reflect you, Lord Jesus, that others may know you ultimately. So Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today in your mighty uh, name we pray, amen. Okay, so this is a psalm of confidence, a reminder of God's covenantal commitment to take care of his people, regardless of the threats around us. So regardless of what's going on in life, we have confidence in the Lord. Amen. Now, this psalm is also a synonymous psalm with the opening psalm that we had seen weeks past, Psalm 1. There's the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous, synonymous with that. That was the gateway to the rest of the psalms, and so we're kind of revisiting that in a sense. We have another uh, 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 sense of, or a source of wisdom through this psalm, not just the confidence, and so we'll look at that. Now, Proverbs, if we are reminded of the Proverbs, teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, however, is something that is rejected by evil fools, and that's the way that the Bible describes it. Proverbs 1 7 says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, fools do not fear God, but are wise in their own eyes. Fools make nothing of God. Hmm. And when nothing is made out of God, our sin becomes great and greater. In contrast, we have this contrast here in this passage uh, as we search more for Jesus through his word the more we learn of his gracious character and the more we understand the gracious character of God and the more we're drawn to him and the more we want to be with him and the more we're conformed to him in his likeness and so verses one through four here of this psalm 36 provides a bird's eye view of the life that does not fear the Lord if you caught that So there's two different sections here, two different lifestyles. The first one is a life that does not fear the Lord, and we'll call that the wicked life. And that'll be verse 1 through 4. And verses 5 through 9 speaks of God's gracious character. Put the outline slide up there so they can follow along with me. Yeah, there you go. And so uh, all of its benefits of God's gracious character. And then the final three verses are a prayer request for the Lord's continued steadfast love. And we'll see David's prayer. And so let's dive in and, 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 and again with anticipation of Jesus and look at that first point, the wicked life verse one through four. Before we read them, now remember these verses are a reflection of the attitudes and actions of the wicked. And it's important for us to know this. It's important for us to be well informed. Verse 1 says this. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. No fear. The psalmist identifies the root of all evil here, just as Proverbs 1.7 had as well. It cites the fear that, uh, that the fear of God is the beginning of all knowledge. And so when we do not have the fear of the Lord, when we do not revere him, that's what that means. Then we've kind of missed things. We begin to miss things. We begin to act and behave according to our will and not his. Because when we do not fear the Lord, when we do not revere him, that means that we're accountable to nobody. You see that. And so that's the first step right there. When we lose the fear of God, we are, we, we are no longer accountable to anybody, especially God, you know. And so we start behaving and acting according to our flesh and according to our desires. The fear, the reverence of God is what springs up faith and enables us to recognize our total dependence of God. If we don't have that fear of the Lord, we're not going to have that faith in Him. We're not going to go to Him and depend on Him. We're going to find ourselves confused, lost. And in disarray. Now, the absence of this reverent fear of God is replaced by a different type of fear of the Lord, and it's experienced more like dread, you know, and so the people who do not fear the Lord dread the Lord. It's like they don't even want to know him anymore. In fact, that's part of the experience that I've had when I'm speaking to people about Jesus and trying to evangelize and telling them, hey, this is, this is who Christ is. And a lot of them say, yeah, I'm just not ready to go to that God. As if, as if to come to him means to lose a lot of benefits. To the contrary, to come to the Lord, you gain a lot of benefits and you lose a lot of the weight that comes from the wicked life. But a lot of us aren't able to see that because we have no fear of the Lord. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this wisdom, this knowledge. It's the beginning of our dependence to God, and it's important to have. But here David is saying that transgression speaks to the the wicked. In other words, the sinful desires, that's what really, really catches that person's attention. Deep in their heart, there is no fear of God before his eyes. No reverence, no desire to pursue him whatsoever. In fact, they look into themselves. It is to say, God, you're in my way. Please move. That's the wicked's reaction to the Lord. Instead of revering him, they try to excuse him or move him out of the way so that that selfish ambition, that selfish desire could be produced. Now, verse two says, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated now this is interesting let me show you the new living translation of this verse because uh, it's translated in a way that's it's helpful to understand it says in their blind conceit they cannot see how the how wicked they really are look at the niv now in their own eyes they flatter themselves too much to de- detect or hate their own sin in other words the wicked person the person who w- lives a wicked life They flatter themselves or they think so highly of themselves so that they're unable to see where they need correction and growth. In fact, it's not just their fault, I would say, in this life because that's what wicked people do is they pump each other's wheels and flatter one another so that everyone is blind to their wickedness and they are therefore incorrectable. They are not susceptible to the Lord's discipline anymore. And this is a very dangerous place to be. And so when we think so highly of ourselves, we obviously become our own God in that sense. It's a very narcissistic or hedonistic approach of view in life. And that's a very wicked way to actually process life and to live according to it. And so the scriptures warn us about that. Hang on, guys, there's encouragement after this, okay? This is just the reality of what's going on here, okay? This is just the reality of what it looks like to be lost and to be overly flattered of ourselves. It's called pride, okay? And so Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Now, this is a very important thing for us to know and consider is that the Lord actually detests prideful people. You know, and this pride that comes, then comes the disgrace. And I'm gonna say it. The United States has now acknowledged, I think, the month of June as Pride Month, as if it were something good. Pride is sinful. We're not even supposed to be proud in ourselves. We're not even supposed to boast in ourselves. Nothing that the Lord has done for us has been because we have earned it. There's nothing good in us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing to boast in us, but rather everything that Christ has done for us. It is by grace that we have been saved, not by work so that no man may boast because only god is worthy of that glory only god is worthy of that honor only god is worthy of our praise not our own okay and so pride is not a good thing and with pride again comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom this level of flattery is empty and destructive entirely and so we need to be warned against the and i think that david does very well here in this passage and so we move on to verse three Again, it's all about him and no one else. it says in three. "The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit, he has ceased to ask white and deceit. He has ceased to ask wisely." Ugh, my words. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good and he does not reject evil. Now, Paul reflects on this in his letter to the Romans, actually, this type of mentality, this type of condition. And if you would turn to Romans with me, chapter one, verse 18 through 21. Paul just speaks of this very clearly. He says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men by whom whom by their unrighteousness suppresses the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because he has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived uh, ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made so they are without excuse For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were dark and claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and served the creature rather, rather than the creation who was blessed forever. Amen. Paul says they, they worshiped the creature. They served the creature rather than the creation. They made themselves higher. They boasted in themselves. And so the Lord gives them up to that sin. And so everything that they can think of is not good. And this is the way of the wicked. This is the lifestyle of the wicked. And since the wicked do not fear God, they misperceive themselves as the center of the universe. And thus, they flatter themselves and do not recognize their sin. This is a very dangerous place to be. The person who is confused by himself does not listen to correction, nor does does he pay attention to the mistakes. And therefore, he will continue to repeat that. And that's the vicious cycle that we find. Sin invades and infiltrates the wicked person's life, so that even at night, while they are on their beds they fall asleep planning evil instead of expressing their gratitude to the lord this is the wicked life i know you're like oh brother that was hard however david does take the time to illustrate this this is literally what it looks like to live away from the fear of the lord but then he goes into the contrast and this is where a little bit of encouragement comes in he addresses the awful reality of the wickedness of the natural state of sinners, but then the psalmist turns our attention to the good news of God's gracious character. And so let's take a look at that, God's gracious character, verse 5 through 9. And this is where our confidence rests. So again, this is the moment of encouragement here. And this is where I hope that we are all able to find the Lord uh, and, and be confident in him and not in ourselves, all about him who triumphs for us. It says in verse five, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. It says your steadfast love. God is firm in his great love for us. That's what that means. Steadfast love means you love them no matter what. Moms, you've probably told your kids before that there's nothing you could do to make me love you less. Right. That's steadfast love. There's definitely a lot you can do to grieve my heart, but there's nothing you can do to make you love me or to make me love you less right? That's the steadfast love of God. And if you consider that as a parent, consider it much more as God, because we are sinful in nature, right? And so his steadfast love is demonstrated to us over and over, regardless of what we do, regardless of our mistakes, regardless of the things that we pursue, yet he is faithful. And I love the imagery that we see here. It says, uh, uh, um, uh, David uses some, some pretty interesting, good imagery to help us understand. He says, your steadfast love, Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. And we'll see more of this. If you remember little kids, you ask them, how much do you love me? Or how much do I love you? They would say, I love you this much, right? Or more and more, they try to stretch it more. Sometimes they'll make up numbers to explain them their love for you. I love you 10,400,000,000, forty-two nine, and they make up numbers, right? It's just an expression of the amount of love that they have for mom or dad. This is essentially what David is doing, is, is your steadfast love is that much. It's great. It's, it extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 explains how the Lord expressed his love, though, already through Jesus Christ. And it says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love which, in which he has loved us, even... When we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So even when we were dead in our trespasses, he makes us alive and together with Jesus Christ. This is his love for us, his steadfast love for us, regardless of our condition. The Lord loves us, is what he says. And he's speaking to those who have salvation through Jesus Christ. And this is an amazing gift that we have even That we were able to receive Jesus and like a mother who is, you know, constantly reminding their kid that they love, they love, you know, I love you, I love you, love you. It's very important and you know, it's very hurtful when a child does not hear, I love you from a parent. And so these are God's words to us and he says, I love you. I have a steadfast love for you. There's nothing that's going to take that away. Paul says in Romans 8:35 through 39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor... Anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As God's people, we enjoyed the Lord's love and unfailing and it's loyal and it's true and it's steadfast. His righteousness has been counting out to us through Christ Jesus. That's an expression of love. His faithfulness towards us is undeserved and we have been unfaithful to him, yet he remains faithful to us. That's an expression of his love for us. His justice is perfect it's good it's finalized through your son jesus by whom we are justified declared innocent for he has ransomed us and paid our debt in full that's an expression of love and if we go into verse six it says your righteousness is like the mountains of god your judgments like the great deep man and beast you save, O Lord. Again, your righteousness is this much. It's like the mountains of God. Your judgments are so great. They're so big. It's amazing how much you love us. In other words, in regards to man and beast, you save, O Lord, just like a judge who vindicates the innocent, uh, God protects his creation from destructive forces as well. The creation longs and yearns for the lord's re- return and his restoration that's comforting, considering the voices that we hear today that's super comforting considering what it what we 're all bombarded with around this let 's get back to the scriptures and now we continue in verse seven, continue into uh consider the imagery of this psalm and everything how it points to christ and how everything is revealed uh in the new testament from what we see here and so what i'd like to do is connect that to you how what the lord has expressed in this psalm is revealed to jesus christ verse seven says how precious is your steadfast love O god the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings look at this the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings in other words He is a strong shaded protector there is protection in the lord jesus there's protection in our lord david realizes the benefits that we have through god and yet for us now that we have seen that jesus has come and we have been redeemed through the cross there's an even deeper and sharper awareness of god of how to access uh, these benefits in god and we do so in union with christ so who himself is our protection Jesus our protection uh, David says how precious is your steadfast love O God the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings John 10:11 says about Jesus I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep in other words he protects us no matter what if you know what a good shepherd does he will make sure that that flock survives anything nothing is going to ta- uh, uh, touch one of those sheep right he's going to do whatever he must do to protect the flock this is the way that the Lord loves us, that he protects us. Now let's go into verse 8. It says, they feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Again, notice the imagery. This is a nourishing, overflowing sustenance that we see here. They feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink. This is to sustain someone, to give them the sustenance that we need to be able to live. John six thirty-five. Now in regards to Jesus, he says to them, I am the bread of life. Who comes, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. God provides the sustenance needed for life, both food and drink, and spiritual, that our soul would not starve. If we're feeling like we need something, we're missing something, we'll find it in the Lord. I guarantee you that. Verse 9, for with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. He says, for you, you are the fountain of life, endless, limitless, bottomless life, eternal life, it comes from the Lord. And Jesus is that abundant, abou- abundant life. John ten ten says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse nine also says, in your light do we see light. And this is shining, relevant, and radiant, illuminating light right there. In other words, the confusion is taken away through Jesus. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus is our illumination. John 8, 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So our comfort is absolutely not found within ourselves. It is entirely in Jesus. So here's the little bit of encouragement that I want to share with you. Everything that the psalmist has shared here, he has made two different and stark contrasts. One of destruction, one of the wicked, and one that will be dealt with justly uh, by the Lord. And then there's the steadfast love of God in which we need to dwell in and remember is, hey, this is God's promises to us. And regardless of where we are in life, he's constant, he's faithful, he's loving, He's caring. He's our protector. He's our sustainer. He is our light. He is um, everything that we need to be able to get through without the the chaos, without the darkness, and and, and just being uh, um, reminded of his care and his uh, um, just consistent love for us. Amen? Now, let me show you the prevailing prayer from the psalmist, and that's uh, verse 10 through 12. This is the last part, and this is what it is. It's a prayer. This is David's prayer to the Lord, and he says this, O continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. Now, I don't know what David knew at this time, but his prayer right there was fulfilled by the coming of Jesus. And that's something that we can count on. And it's amazing how the Lord just fulfills everything. He kind of buttons it up and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. That's the steadfast love of God. Jesus fulfilled this through the cross whose love ran red on it, right? The, the, whose righteousness was counted for us, who keeps us and, and is for us, and who, um, who defeated sin on our behalf or for us, right? Which is amazing. So everything that David prays on here is fulfilled through Jesus. And because of this, there is confidence to have in the Lord, regardless of the hostile threats or physical, spiritual culture, etc. that's going on. Those ancient and modern Whoever you are, whether back in David's day or even today, when we come to the Lord, when we pray like this psalm, when we call on the Lord, trusting him, he will answer his plea for, our, for help. And the psalm beautifully describes God's character as loving, faithful, righteous, and just. It also names him as the source of all life. And so here's the point. The precious love of God is steadfast, is unchanging, regardless of how much you sometimes change. Right? Sometimes we make it about ourselves. Sometimes when I'm driving to Phoenix or when I'm driving somewhere else, I see billboards and all kinds of advertisements that says you do you. You go and indulge. You do what you want in your life. You just go and feel good. You, you make yourself the boss, right? There's a lot of self-affirmation making you feel like it's all about you. Let me just remind us it's not because when we make it all about ourselves and when we set aside the Lord and we do not fear him in his word, then that's when we begin to lose it. We may feel happy for a moment when we do you, right? You do you, whatever. But then we'll see that emptiness really, really take root and it's an ugly feeling. It's a, it's a call of desperation that comes therefore. You know, and I think that David does a really good job just acknowledging what's going on, the realities of the world, and then coming to the Lord and thinking of his character, his attributes, the reality of who Jesus is. Jesus, God is steadfast in love. He's caring for us. He protects us. He sustains us. He does everything that we need, that we would not be confused, that we would not be lost, and that we would be completely fulfilled in him. And everything, everything, that we have to endure in this world, you know, the Lord is constant and aware, and he sees it, and so regardless of what's going on in our life, regardless of what we may think that are, that's happening with our children, right, we don't have to worry about that. God is in control, and he loves you, he loves your kids, and it's amazing, and it's beautiful. Oh, how precious is your steadfast love, oh Lord, again, a psalm of confidence a psalm that we need to go to to be reminded especially when things don't look very good and i know that as parents sometimes we need those reminders i know that as leaders we need those reminders i know that it's important for us to be told i love you mom you're doing a good job dad you're doing a good job too it's not just dads too right dads matter yeah you know the steadfast of the lord endures forever it is this big, 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 big. His righteousness, his justice, it's this big. That means that we can be assured that whatever is happening, we can move in his, in the faithfulness that he has shown with us and things are gonna get taken care of. God's in control, amen? So with that, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you, Father, for moms. I thank you for my mom and how you've used her to shape my life. I pray that you would bless each and everyone here today, Father, that our moms would be honored, Lord, and reminded that you are constant in your love for them, that you are faithful, that you are firm in how you love them and that nothing can separate you or separate us from your love. Thank you that we have this opportunity to honor them. We pray a special blessing over their lives. And we ask, Father, that you would continue to use your word to grow us, to instruct us, to remind us of the goodness in their faithfulness, Lord Jesus. And so thank you, Father, for this time together. We praise you. We lift your name on high in Jesus' name. Amen.